Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? Well, Jude, I'm excited because today we get to expand our pod friends group with a first-time guest. Whether she's spreading MCU quotes on Insta, infectious excitement on her podcast, or becoming the guardian of spoilers on Twitter, we're glad Ellie from Oh Shoot Podcast is joining us. Welcome, Ellie. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, how's it going? It is going fantastic. How's it going with both of you? You know what? This is usually the highlight of my day on recording days. I I love recording. It's it's awesome to do this. I know. You scared me for a second because you prefaced it by saying <laughs> usually. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, you know what? I got you got to leave that little bit of room. You never know what's going to happen on a Thursday. I might win the lottery. You know, who, who knows? It's true. It's very very true. Excellent points. Well, you know, we are very new to your podcast, Ellie, but Jude and I have been enjoying it, and we definitely wanted to reach out to you and get to work together, uh, especially during this Hawkeye season. But another thing we wanted to do is also spotlight your podcast here at the top. So I was wondering if you could walk us through the origin of Oh Shoot Podcast, as well as the the origin of the name itself. Yeah, totally. Well, it. I honestly, I remember this day perfectly where I was like, oh my God, I should start a podcast. I was in the car with my sister. We were coming back from our dad's place. And I was just like thinking about the fact that I love movies and that I literally spend my days watching interviews and just like videos with like all of these actors I love and just like watching movies that I love over and over again. And then talking to my friends about these movies and these like random bits of knowledge. And I know my friends were sick of it. <laughs> I, know, I know some of them were like, oh my God, like stop talking this about this movie. Like I get it, you love it, okay? So I was like, what if I started a podcast of a way for me to talk about all of these movies that I love and you know, put it out for other people who also like these same movies to listen and just kind of share that passion. So I sent a Snapchat to a bunch of my friends and I was like, should I start a podcast? And they all said yes. So I was like, okay, cool. I got the validation. (laughs) 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 I'm not crazy. All right, let's. And then literally I got back home, pulled out my laptop and started researching and gathering all this information on how to start a podcast. So that was like the true start of it. It was just literally me being in the car and being like, oh my God, I don't shut up about movies. (laughs) (laughs) And then the problem did come with the name though, because I am so indecisive. And I was like, you want it to be something interesting and something unique. And, you know, hopefully something that hasn't been taken by another podcast or whatever. And then I was working on making just a big old list of podcast names. And I remember as a joke, I was like, oh, it'd be so funny if it was something like, oh, shoot. And then when I was like talking to my friends about it, because I was like, oh, like, what do you guys think? Like, if you guys were listening, what stands out to you? And they were all like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Like that. Like, I love that. It's a play on words. You know, you shoot a movie. It's like kind of perfect. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, shoot podcast. Let's go. And then here she is. Oh, shoot. (laughs) It's like. Great. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I have doubts. I'm like, 
is it a cute name? And then I'm like, no, I love it. This is mm, this podcast is my baby. I am very proud of it. Uh, yeah, you I, should be. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is a good name. Actually, it's a really good name. Thank you. <laughs> it's one of those names that definitely stands out, but then knowing the story on top of it just makes it that much more special. So yeah, oh, that, that's you. really cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I love the way that you talked about how, it, you know, oh, I was annoying my friends with uh, movie talk. <laughs> Let me just put it on the internet because it's the embodiment of something that I've like kept with me uh, since I heard it at like an internet press conference, which it was like with the internet, the question isn't, is there an audience, but where's the audience? So mm-hmm. I feel like you've embodied that a lot with the podcast. Thank so you. that's really, really yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I wish I had a story like that on Trey. I, all I have is Monday taking my youngest daughter to soccer practice and true story, this past Monday, she gets really mad at me all of a sudden. And I wasn't sure why. And I was just like, why are you why are you upset? And she finally, she's like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. And, and this was a big, bold moment for her. Like, she she came out clean and honest. And she's like, you talk too much. I was like, okay. I was like, trust me, it doesn't hurt my feelings. It's okay. Um, so yeah, so that's my version of it. <laughs> oh man, that is lovely. <laughs> I I love that. You know, no, I love that. <laughs> uh, you know what? She's nine and comfortable enough to tell me that, and I'm, I'm good. <laughs> well, you know, something else that stood out to me about your podcast is that even though you have started with the MCU, I think you've made it pretty clear that you're not going to be strictly MCU movies on the podcast. That's correct. What uh, what are your plans for after you've covered the MCU movies? Um, well, I have a big old massive document full of movies I love and want to talk about, which is, it's actually really funny because originally I wasn't going to start with Marvel movies. And I don't even remember my thought process going into it. I think it was because, you know, with 2021, we were starting to get Marvel productions again. And we were getting phase four movies and TV shows. And that got me excited. And I was like, you know what? Like, why not kind of start off with the movies I know and love so much? Like, it's a good place to kind of lay down the framework. And I could talk about, like, the, the recent stuff that's coming out as well. And it's just hilarious because a lot of people look at the podcast and they're like, oh, it's a Marvel podcast. And I'm like, not really. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like sort of kind of a Marvel podcast, but it's temporary. But no, like I have such a big list of movies that I've loved throughout the years. And like, I also really love Harry Potter. Like that's been a franchise that has been a massive massive part of my life for so many Mm -hmm. literally ever since I was a kid so I was like I need to give some love to like those like that part of my nerd you know quote-unquote like nerdiness and I love like Christopher Nolan films I'm like gotta give him some credit like it's just funny that I definitely do seem like a Marvel podcast but yeah no I have a lot of plans for movies to talk about that are kind of outside of Marvel. And that's not to say I'm going to stop talking about Marvel productions either. Because again, like Marvel films have been such a big part of my life too. So it's like definitely going to circle back. But when the new year comes, it's going to be less and less Marvel and Mm -hmm. 
more of kind of just other films that I've loved ever since I was a kid. Yeah, I'm excited to see your to hear your thoughts and the tackle the Harry Potter series because I, I, I don't have a lot of thoughts. Well, because I, I now that I think about it, the podcast I listen to, I don't think I've come across a Harry Potter one that I've listened to. There's a couple. The ones that I've listened to kind of go more into lore or kind of speak on the books yeah. more than anything. And which, of course, like, getting you know, got, got to circle back to the source material. But I know when I get to the movies, it's definitely going to be talking about the differences. And because one of my favorite things about Harry Potter is, is it so much the movies or the books books itself it's what the fans have done with the material and the <laughs> way fans have built upon the world like that's my favorite aspect of it and i'm like definitely gonna have that almost be at the core of those episodes like talking about what fans have done with all like this entire world that we've been given mm-hmm. yeah that's that sounds really interesting yeah it, it seems like the harry potter franchise and maybe i'm just kind of speaking out of nowhere here, but it feels like the Harry Potter franchise missed the boat on podcasts being devoted to them. So to see you circle back to it with that lens of the community has been built around it seems like a really interesting idea. And I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm, I know, I'm, I'm like saying <laughs> as if I'm not the person doing it. I'm like, I'm excited too. Like <laughs> being able to just like connect back with that world. It, it's always exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, speaking of connecting to a world, uh, shifting gears to the Marvel side of things, what is your connection to the MCU? What got you into talking about these films as much as you do? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I mean, similar to Harry Potter, I'd say the movies have just been a big part of my life since I was a kid. You know, like I remember watching Iron Man when I was a kid, watching Spider-Man, watch, like the Raimi movies were such a big part of my life when I was a kid too. You know, they were my favorite movies when they were coming out. Like I still mm-hmm. remember going to the theater to see the second and third one. Cause I was too young to see the first one in theaters. You know, it was a little too spooky. For me. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, like, I feel like when it comes to Marvel, it's just been over the years, I've just fallen in love just more and more. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it wasn't until maybe around 2017, 2018, where I don't want to say like obsessed, but like my love for it was starting to reach like that maximum level. Like I started becoming so excited each year, you know, getting tickets for opening weekend, opening night, like really working towards that. And then I'd say over the course of you know, 2020 and like 2021, you know, mi- middle of a pandemic, I'm like, I have nothing better to do with my life than <laughs> really immerse myself in this world. And I just, while watching the movies, I would just start thinking really deeply into the characters and their experiences and what they started like going through, you know, looking at where they started in the very beginning. So for example, like Tony Stark starting t- like 2008 in Iron Man how he was in that movie and how we were introduced to him and then comparing him to you know endgame looking at his growth looking at how he's evolved and that just became so interesting for me 
And like, that's what I usually like thinking about when it comes to the Marvel movies is looking at the characters, looking at their relationships with each other and looking at how they've changed over the years and how some of them are continuing to evolve and, you know, find out new things about themselves and the world that they're a part of. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's because of me really immersing myself into the world that made me fall in love with it even more. Yeah. So if you were going to introduce the MCU to someone who's never seen it, what's what's the on-ramp? What, what movie do you give them first? Hmm... So, ooh, that's such a good question. <laughs> like, I almost like want to say go classic with like the Avengers because that's the first time where we get our original six. You know, mm-hmm. that's the first. I feel like it was that movie that got me like really excited for what was to come because you know, at the end of that movie, we start getting the clue that Thanos is going to be right, the big right. villain. Like it's. That movie is the start of what everything is, you know, going to have that domino effect and what all the little puzzle pieces are coming together for. So I feel like I would want to start with the Avengers. But then after that, I'm like, I feel like I would just want to show them my favorite ones. So I (laughs) am obsessed. Like my, I say my friends are sick of me talking about like Marvel stuff. This is what they're most done with when it comes to me it's captain america the winter soldier (laughs) i've seen that movie so many times this year that my friend because i use my friend's disney plus account you know like shout out to her (laughs) she wasn't serious about this okay she this was like a complete joke even though it did scare me for a hot second Earlier this year, I think I was watching the movie like the third day in a row. <laughs> she was like, she was like, if you keep watching this movie, I'm gonna like revoke your access to this account. Oh no! Wow. <laughs> She's like, you're done. You're done. <laughs> but like, I feel like that's what I would also have to do is like, you know, show the ones that I love because I'm like, this is how I feel about movies. If someone is showing me a movie that they love and they get super excited about that's going to get me excited about the movie mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So I'd want to share that aspect and yeah. that passion to be like, here's one of my favorites. I yeah. hope you like it. And he like, here's how it's going to fit and how here's it's, you know, the benefit and the pro of it within the universe. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And it makes a lot of sense too. Cause like calling back to the intro, you know, the infectious mm-hmm. excitement, I think is one of the things that stood out of your podcast. So to hear that at the core of what you would show to people is totally in line with what you do in your show. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And of course, if you're listening to this and, and you're not familiar with already, you should definitely be following Ellie on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Oh Shoot Podcast, as well as downloading and subscribing Oh Shoot Podcast on most podcast players. But uh, yeah, if you downloaded this episode, you know we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 3 of Hawkeye, entitled Echoes. And the way we're going to do this is we're going to have some pre-spoiler thoughts, which is a chance for us to talk about the episode without getting into spoilers before jumping into the spoiler zone. So, before we get there, Ellie, do you have any pre-spoiler thoughts for this episode? I love this episode so much. I Okay, obviously, you know, we've got a few more episodes to go. But I feel like this episode 
is going to be the standout one of what we're going to get. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll get some shocking moments going into the rest of the season. But this was such an amazing Mm -hmm. episode. Mm -hmm. One Mm -hmm. of my absolute favorites of all the shows that we've gotten so far. Yes. Actually, Trey, you should go next because you said something very similar. Yeah, I'll go ahead and cut in line here. And uh, we we always share our pre-spoiler thoughts on Twitter and Instagram. So I'm just going to read this verbatim. And it says, Well-executed simplicity makes this episode a strong contender for one of the better episodes of the Disney Plus era so far. So Ellie, I wholeheartedly agree about what you said of this being such a great episode. And it was like, I had to stop myself after watching it from just immediately proclaiming it the best. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was definitely, that would have been reactionary and recency bias, but it is, it is hard to top the way this episode made me feel. uh, And it makes me want to go back and reevaluate all the Disney plus episodes so far. Mm -hmm. I know me too. Mm -hmm. I'm due for a rewatch anyway. (laughs) 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 Well, it's funny. Something you said was, um, Ellie, something you said is similar to what my first thought was. It was like, we're halfway done and I want eight. Like, like you oh gotta God, give me two I more. Know. You know, and, and it was the thing. I came out of this episode is like, uh, there's only three more. We, we need four more or five more. Um, I hope there's a season two. And also, what I think what I found really interesting is this episode, and I was telling Trey this off pod earlier today, that it's sometimes hard for me to separate. So like I try to hang my first watch. I end up watching at least twice before we record. And my first watch is for me just to watch it, you know, and, and try to do that. But I catch myself already thinking about the podcast. This episode, I was able just to sink in outside of like the dog, our dog <laughs> making me like bark and jump on more me and making me pause it. Like I just was able to sink in and just, enjoy it and not think about the podcast or anything which was really cool because you know a a lot of other episodes if i don't get sunk in to that to that degree i'm start thinking about the podcast Uh, but this really sucked me in it was great yeah i i think that's a good summary of our pre-spoiler thoughts so uh like we said you're gonna hear an audio cue and on the other side it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the mcu so we'll see you on the other side And we're back. So the way we're going to handle this is we're going to break it down into the most important topics. And the first one we're going to start with is Maya Lopez. This one's going to focus on the beginning origin scene of Maya as a younger child and dealing with everything in regards to the inability to hear and how that pertains in the classroom, as well as some of the later scenes where we see an older Maya dealing with tracing down Ronan. So... Ellie, if we could start with you, where would you like to start within this section? Oh, man. I guess I'll start with the fact that I, I cried a little. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I don't blame it you. Was, yeah. Um, I love when our Disney Plus shows give us like an emotional beginning. You mm-hmm. know, like one of my other favorites was with like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we had that episode start with like Bucky in Wakanda finally like healing from all the trauma mm-hmm. that came with you know being the winter soldier and having like finally being able to let go of that i yeah. love those like really emotional deep opening so i love that they started this episode with showing maya as a child and 
kind of showing how she is in a classroom and then showing her with her father. Oh my goodness. Like that entire scene with her talking with her dad, that got me so emotional. And then don't even get me started when they start talking about dragons. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I was like, oh, only if you knew. <laughs> only if you knew. Like, <laughs> they are very much real. And I just, I loved it. I loved kind of getting that look into her and her younger years and Mm -hmm. getting that bit of that history because, of course, it plays so much into who she becomes later in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I really enjoyed that kind of introduction to her character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, my first note is I loved the use of flashbacks Um, because this is one of those things of like sometimes flashbacks they're used, but they're not really used well. And mm-hmm. you mentioned the Falcon, the winter soldier, the use of flashback, the use of flashback here was just so done so well. And I liked how, I like how with what the directors did here in terms of like teaching us like through Hawkeye and that first episode at the musical, what it was like to experience having his hearing aid turned off to mm-hmm. where it was very quickly and easily picked up like oh like i like your use of sound here to to make me or the audience feel or try to experience maybe uh what maya was experiencing i just mm-hmm. i just it really put me in the scene yeah you, you talk about it being educational in the show's part and how it informs these characters the thing that i think this show is excelling at is conveying how characters feel through the use of sound mm-hmm. or lack thereof and like the thing that stood out to me about Maya is you already learn that she's such an observant character and and how she's able to use that to her advantage as far as learning goes as you know the teacher was surprised that she was able to fill out her workbook and they the fact that they did that scene before we get to that emotional scene with her father where he tells her, like, you can learn to jump between both worlds by watching, it is backing up the claim of what she's taught, and you can see how that's just instilled in her character. And it's from those first two scenes. Like, it's so mm-hmm. economical and wonderfully done. And, yeah, like, they they are showing the type of character Maya is and will be in the future when we get to the present. And it's mm-hmm. just all around well done. Mm-hmm. And Ellie, I love that you brought up the the shadow puppets with the the dragons. It, it was heartbreaking where she was asking about going to the, the, the school for the deaf. And he's basically said, you can't. And then I see that interaction with her at her, you know, martial arts lesson that, that, that the father daughter had and it, it makes sense like because you wonder sometimes like it's easy in shows we mentioned harry potter you know early in, in earlier and it's easy to have that very binary you're obviously bad you're obviously good now we will fight um mm-hmm. but but to get that glimpse of like yeah i could see someone getting involved in the things he was involved in because you just want what's best for your kid you know yeah um and 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 it's heartbreaking you know to see that backstory um and and you feel for them i yeah no i definitely agree and what i really appreciate about about it as well is that it creates those layers and it just 
allows him to be much more of a well-rounded character Mm -hmm. or you know of course there's like a bit of that setup for like her to be like somewhat of a villain in this case and marvel unfortunately has a long history of not having well-rounded villains they usually fall very very flat and it's only in recent years where they've actually been fortunate enough to get that development and where you get that understanding and that history of a character so i really love that they're giving you a lot more history into who she is and mm-hmm. kind of where she came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that you brought that up about Marvel's track record when it comes to villains, because it has gotten better in recent years. And the thing I think that has gotten better is the nuance at which they give these villains. So. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to what you also said, Jude, about how you can fall into the trap of this person bad, this person's good. The thing that I love so much about how they've tied Ronan to the origin of Maya just makes this such a narratively rich drama to stem from. Because on paper, Clint is our protagonist. And Mm -hmm. Maya is our antagonist. But knowing what Clint has done as Ronan starts to question, okay, well, who can we morally root for? Because Clint's also done some pretty terrible things as evident by what has happened to Maya and her father. So there's nuances into this isn't just, you know, black and white. There are a lot of wounds here that have to heal. And again, what a great way to open up this episode. Oh, yeah. Imagine this show completely from Maya's perspective. Right. And so we get that scene where Ronan is doing his Ronan thing. Um, or at that point, from her perspective, Ronan's doing the Ronan thing. We don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. And, but we follow her whole life through training and she tracks down Barton. And then we find out it's Barton. Like, yeah. she's a, clearly a protagonist that you would root for. Right. Like yeah. that's a, that's a, a show we would watch. Um, and, and so that's, so yeah, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see. And Maya recognized Barton. Like, what are you doing here? You're Clint Barton. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with Clint. Like everyone knows who he is. Like he, he's an Avenger. Mm-hmm. Everyone now like across the world, like sees him and sees that hero, you know, They'll remember calling back to 2012 when the Avengers saved New York. There's going to be all of these like little moments that people think of and they know him. Mm-hmm. And it's like um, in the first episode when um, he and he was with his family eating in the restaurant and he didn't have to pay for the meal. Mm-hmm. People know yeah. exactly who he is and they view him in such a positive light because they just view him as a hero. They don't know like his dark, that dark spot in his life. Yeah. during the blip when he was being Ronan. Mm-hmm. You know what? And I know we're, we're still kind of talking about Maya here, but you mentioned that dark spot in, in, in the, the heroism that they know him for. Marvel's also put him in a, that weird space where he was going after mafia that survived the blip. I do wonder if the show's going to, Again, with only three episodes left, it'd be hard to do. Do they tread in that space where it's like, oh, we find out it's Clint, an Avenger, but because you're an Avenger, we'll forgive you because you were going after quote unquote bad people. I I don't I don't think they have time to flesh that out. But 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 what you were just mentioning about how recognizable he is as a hero would society 
public, you know, in this world, be that forgiving because he's an Avenger? It's an interesting question because it's difficult to consider how people within the MCU, the average civilian, is going to feel because... I mean, it's pretty obvious how a lot of fans feel about it and a lot of fans aren't forgiving of his actions because mm-hmm. when you look at the people he's been, um, you know, going after during the blip, they were primarily people of color. And mm-hmm. that's all, all that, that we saw on scene was mm-hmm. the people he was going after were people of color. So as fa- fans, a lot, many of them, they have a very hard time forgiving that because it's like, kind of looking at his mindset and why he thought that was a good idea or what, like, we get it. Okay. You, Mm -hmm. of course, it's absolutely horrible. You lost your family. Mm -hmm. Of course. Like that's absolutely devastating, especially during this. There's a lot of confusion that plays into it. But when you look at it within the average civilian, within the MCU, I almost feel like they would be a little more forgiving. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of what they've been through themselves or simply just because they're like, well, he's a hero. Yeah. He must have thought it was the right thing to do because, you know, why would he do anything bad? He's an Avenger, even though there are some people within the MCU who have a bit of animosity towards our heroes, as we saw in like Age of Ultron. Yeah. Yeah. Or on the urinal where it says Thanos was right. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. there is that, that factor too, you know. There's a lot of different perspectives going on. Well, you know, speaking of differing perspectives, uh, eventually we get a little further into the to the episode where we see there's a disagreement between Maya and Kazi, and specifically about Maya's continued pursuit in uh, searching for Ronan and how Kazi doesn't think it's a great idea. Uh, what did you make of this infighting between them, Ellie? I mean, I thought it was very interesting and because I've been wondering about the relationship between Kazi and Maya and because mm-hmm. I, I was watching it with my friend and we were like, it kind of seems like there's like a bit of a relationship there. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like there's a bit of a deeper, you know, they're not just like co-workers or something you know there's mm-hmm. there's a bond mm-hmm. and I think Kate even poisons it out it's like did anybody yeah. else pick up the tension between the hot yeah, one and exactly. Maya <laughs> Kate, Kate picked it up too and it's interesting because I hope that moving forward in the rest of the episodes we get a little bit of a deeper look into what their relationship is like and you know getting an idea of what they what they mean to each other because mm-hmm. I feel like that would actually add a lot of depth and, you know, calling back to that disagreement in episode three. I feel like it would allow me as a viewer to kind of understand it a bit more. But I thought it was very interesting because it's always whenever in our movies we get that disagreement between two people who you know are on the same side. It's always interesting because you never know where that disagreement is going to go, mm-hmm. because that could be a hard division that could push them to completely separate and have someone like switch sides, for example. So you never know where it's going to go. Well, what I also find interesting, and this is outside of the show, I guess we know Maya gets a spinoff. That's true. Very excited about it. Yeah. And so that might be part of the, a catalyst of how you get there with, with the two of them, you know, like, cause I, I had that note is like, cause there for Maya. Otherwise, I don't think he would be there. 
you know, and, and so true. I'm curious. So what is that? What is that draw? Um, and for her, it's, you know, right now, you know, it's heartbreaking to what's her backstory and all of that, but she's clearly also, they're, they're really trying to show her as someone who's driven by that one moment and looking for vengeance. Mm -hmm. Um, under, I mean, understandably, like I, I think I would probably feel the same way if I, you know, had witnessed a parent and die my arms in, in that way. Right. Um, you know, with the hooded ninja, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but like I, I, I get it in, in that sense. Um, so yeah. So like, like you have to take this character from there to something we'd want to watch as a spinoff. Um, and that might be the catalyst. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I brought this up earlier, but I'll, I'll bring it again. I, I like all that they're doing nuance wise with Maya and to have this infighting between Maya and Kazi it shows Maya's infall is fallible because she is driven by revenge understandably so but we've seen how corrosive revenge can be and on the flip side it humanizes Kazi as more than just an antagonist because he does have some sense of like hey this isn't right we shouldn't be doing this as mm -hmm. evident of him stopping Maya from choking Kate so I love a good infighting between villains, and I'm happy that we're getting that established mm -hmm. here with Maya mm -hmm. in this episode. Well, yeah, I mean, with with Maya and Hawkeye or Barton, I guess right there in that in that exchange, you see. Well, she points out Clint's downfall. You rely on the technology, mm -hmm. right? And he makes a little joke about this, but she's talking about her ability to like what she learned about being this awareness of surroundings. And and when you kind of see that when he loses his hearing aid and, and you get these funny moments and stuff, but her weakness as well is not being able to hear, you know, in that you see this scene where she has her interpreter. We know she can read lips very well, but like she just loses focus and grabs Kate by the neck, mm -hmm. right? By the throat. And then she kind of prompts Kazi. He's like, what are we doing later? And, and, and not, and, and to me, it's showing like this isolation from that is also put her almost in like this echo chamber of her own mind, you know, which, which is like, once you get this emotion and this thought, you, you're not having something to help you snap out of it because you can be so hyper-focused because you've, you've had to be your whole life and that's what you've been focused on. Um, and so it, I feel like that that it's interesting to see how how much there there that there's a strength and weakness in, in both of them through the same thing. Man, I I really love the way you framed that. That was uh, very insightful for what they're doing with both these characters. It was very good, very very good. And cool. I do. Nick Sandy, I, I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done here. I've done what I need to do. Oh, man. I do have something I want to play off, but we need to establish something before we get there. So, Ellie, I saw you hyping this up on Twitter, so I'm going to throw to you. Oh, who, I think I <laughs> who was that person at the karate class? Wilson Ferris, <laughs> a.k.a. Kingpin. <laughs> so oh are we gosh. all in agreement here? We. I hope so. Well, I don't know. You sent me a text earlier, Trey, about like, oh, I'm not sure. No. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Like, a friend of mine, 
Jonathan, who listens to the pod sometimes, he did one of the sweetest things I think anybody could do. Like he's one of those, I don't watch trailers, but he watched the first Spider-Man trailer just to listen to our react thing. And I was like, dude, that was, that was really cool of you. That's truly an honor. Yeah. But like knowing like his view on spoilers, he texted me last night. He's like, he goes, is that who I think it is? I was like, do you really want me to answer that question? (laughs) (laughs) And that's like the exact question you need to, I guess. It's like, are you sure you want to know? Yeah. Yeah. Which which Do you really want to go down this rabbit hole? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. I'm so excited. You know, I, I gave Jude a hard time, but yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree that it is Wilson Fisk as well. Specifically, I mean, all we have to go on is a chuckle and a hand, but mm-hmm. if that ain't the hand and chuckle of Vincent D'Onofrio, I oh don't know gosh. what is. <laughs> I, I was like, because my friend and I were, we did a watch party, you know, we stayed up until it released, and I was like, okay, first of all, look at the black suit. Look at him. Look at how mm-hmm. large of a man that is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and I'm like, here's the thing. If it was just some random person, like if it was some random man named Richard or something that happened to be her uncle or uncle figure who's irrelevant, why not show his face? Yeah. It's hidden yeah. for a reason. His yeah. like true identity is being hidden for a reason. So I'm like, if he's anyone else but Wilson Fisk, he has to be some other significant character within Marvel. But you can't, can, like, as of right now, you cannot convince me <laughs> otherwise. Like, yeah. that, that is well, Kingpin. Well, I'll tell you, the, the text that Trey sent was, I don't know, we were all convinced it was Reed Richards off the text to Monica Rambeau. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that, that was, I was just pulling Jude's leg. I didn't think it was going to make the podcast. But if I had any, any slight of doubt, it would be Disney Plus is not afraid to swerve. So, that is, yeah, no, okay. No, we know that. <laughs> With uh, our little fake Pietro, which yeah. I'm still devastated about. <laughs> Little fake Pietro. I like that. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I again, I alluded to saying that I wanted to bring something up, but we needed to set up this Wilson Fisk potential character first. On top of that, Ellie, are you familiar with Daredevil? Because that will shape how I phrase yeah. this. Okay. It's funny. I actually started watching it this year. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I've only seen season one and four episodes of season two, and I'm thinking I need to go ahead and finish that series by the time this year's over. Oh, you have you have until next Wednesday, Trey, from from the handshake. But okay, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this: when, from what we did on our podcast covering Daredevil, the thing that we learned about Wilson Fisk is how emotionally driven he is. Mm-hmm. Now, if Maya is supposed to be somebody who is heavily influenced from Wilson Fisk, it makes all the sense in the world that she is quick to that anger in that scene with Kate where she starts to grapple her because yeah. if Wilson Fisk is a influential figure, then yeah, it's it, it it makes all the sense in the world that that would happen. So I'm I'm curious to track if this is Wilson Fisk if that's where maybe she's picked up on some of that on top of what you were saying, Jude, about the hyperfixation in order to carry along in, in Excel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited. Okay. I just, <laughs> it's I just, great. Oh, it's we just be wonderful. Fist. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. And that's, and that's the other thing is like, I, I, I want to be very careful Th- thinking back to my experience of WandaVision and, and be guarded about it being Fisk. 
because we saw the hand and what if this doesn't show up until the last episode, you know, or maybe even an intag. And, and I think one of my issues with WandaVision while watching it was I got caught, I got so caught up in the speculation about who is this special character and ended up just being white vision, you know, or, or sword vision and, and stuff, oh, yeah, which, which, which wasn't special. Right. Special <laughs> you know, like you have, you have all of that, but it's just, it's like, I, I, I kind of lost sight of like, Oh, this is Wanda's story. Let me enjoy Wanda's story. So mm-hmm. that's the only thing that I'm, that I'm like with my fingernails, the ledge I'm clinging on to, to make sure I don't like lose sight of it. No, this is, this is Hawkeye. I feel like if, you know, we get that introduction or reintroduction of Wilson Fisk, I feel like it's he's not going to play a massive role in this show, but more so with Echo when we get that show on Disney Plus. I feel like mm-hmm. that's where he would be much more of a prominent character. Yeah. But I feel like if he, you know, come on, Marvel, like give this like give this to us <laughs> yeah <laughs> give us this one thing if we get kingpin in you know episode four episode five whatever it may be i feel like it's going to be just enough to be like this character is now canon within the mcu mm-hmm. here here's how he fits in maya's life and in this story but it's not going to have that much of an impact on Clint and Kate. It's going to just, yeah, we're going to get a nice little taste of it, but it's going to be yeah. like for Maya's TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like we got how we got Kang and Loki. Exactly. We got yeah. a nice little taste. Like here, here he is. Here he is. Yep. Just wait, <laughs> just wait until, you know, like quantum mania. Yeah. Season two of Loki. Like, it's he's going to be much more of a further developed character in those productions. You're getting me excited for all these other things. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do in my day to day. I get myself excited, and then I get other people excited about these movies. <laughs> well, I I think that's a pretty good wrap on the Maya section. So we're going to go ahead and move into the next most important topic, which is entitled Track and Field. So. This is going to be the section that deals with the tracksuit mafia as they have Clint and Kate hostage and takes us all the way through Clint and Kate escaping through that highway chase scene. So, Jude, if we could start with you, where would you like to start within this section? Okay, I'm going to start in a really weird spot because this is what came out. I feel so bad for Imagine Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) Just... Oh no! I, I do too. <laughs> like, and I've talked about this on on pod and Trey and I talk about this all the time off pod of like, of like we we want to start with a positive and but it's okay to be critique things because it's 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 from a place of love and from of these things and it's okay if we don't enjoy everything. But I I remember reading the story about the lead singer of Madden Dragons talking about his mental health. Uh, because of the turn of like society and popular culture of like, Oh, it wasn't hip or cool. That's sort of my age hip. Um, (laughs) Cool. to like, imagine, imagine dragons. And so to make that part of a joke there, like that was an element of like, cause, cause we're supposed to see the tracksuit guys, I think as incompetent. Cause you even get like Maya's running them. 
but she has her own agenda. You even get the feeling like, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Fisk, who's her boss, is has their own agenda and they just don't realize it. And and so like, even for have a character be like, I like Imagine Dragons. It was like, we're not supposed to like that character anyway. We're supposed to think they're idiots, you know? And, <laughs> and, so, and so, yeah, I, it's a weird place to start, but I felt so bad for them. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna read my note and 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 preface it. We just talked about this in the meta episode, of Disney. How are you not listening to being nice? I know. To Imagine Come on, Dragons? Kevin. <laughs> oh, Come on, Kevin. You know it's like it's so funny. I'm like adding this to the list of re- list of topics I would like to discuss with Mr. Kevin. <laughs> yes. Because <if> I, <laughs> I I always joke. I'm like. I'm going to go like knock on this man's door and have a discussion of how he's traumatized me over the years. <laughs> and I'm going to just add this to the list and be like, hey, buddy, we got to have a chat, okay? <laughs> we got to have a friendly chat. And also, I will be taking a couple of your hats. Yes. <laughs> yes. He has plenty of hats. He can he can spare one. He can spare at least two, okay? Not <laughs> enough. I'm sure I've talked about this with my friends. I'm like, you know how people have like shoe walls? He has a, where he, they like he has showcase really expensive shoes, sneakers, whatever they may, may be. I'm like, I w- I'm willing to bet some money <laughs> that this man has a hat wall. He has a hat wall <laughs> where he, he has, has all of the like hats he's worn to the premieres over the years. Mm-hmm. See, I call mine the Funko Pop wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That is also another very appropriate, perfect use of a wall. <laughs> But no, you know, I was going to say last week, I talked so much about how the way, because Kate and Clint are teaching each other, right? Like Clint yeah. is obviously hard shell. He's not opening up. Kate is showing him how to open up through the act of sincerity. So I loved how Kate was sincerely listening to the Tracksuit Mafia's problems about wanting to go to the Imagine Dragons concert and his girlfriend not wanting to take him. I love it. Yes. And it, it is an example of that sincerity, but this is what I wanted to quote, Jude. This is straight from my notes. Shame it had to come at the expense of Imagine Dragons. And yeah. I think we are probably the only podcast that has this hangup, but it's so funny that we have it at all. I know, right? <laughs> like we're the podcast that we're going to change our name. The podcast that feels bad for Imagine Dragons and likes Iron Man 3. Like, that's... Iron Man 3 is so underrated. Oh, yeah! Oh, Oh my my God. I literally made a TikTok about this, like, two months ago, responding to another TikTok video. It is so underrated. It deserves so much more appreciation than it gets. My, My theory is that it Iron Man 3 only gets the hate because of people who don't like Tony Stark. That's my theory. Nick Sandy. That's <laughs> and, and in case you don't know, Nick Sandy did our theme song and I just use him as a as a reference when instead of saying mic drop, I say Nick Sandy. So, so that's, that's that's why I keep saying Nick Sandy. And you know I love that. As if the immediate conference when we started this wasn't enough proof of how this is a good group of people you're like we did a whole episode on iron man 3 where we ended we're either going to convert people or we're going to push people away because we just talked for like two hours about how amazing iron man 3 is it's in my top five yeah it's in top five yes Mm -hmm. wow you know what it's deserving it's not in my top five but it's very deserving it is so i'm like did you hear that she started backing off she's like oh Okay. Okay. I'm about top five. Let's 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 tap the brakes, Trey. For me personally, I respect the fact that it's in your top five. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But I'm like, it is such a great movie for Tony Stark and it adds so many layers to his character and just the way that he's developed. Oh, God, it's so good. It's I think it might be one of my my favorite Iron Man movie. Yeah. And Trey's going to get a message from Fran Daniel. who's like, top five, really, Trey? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've put it out there. I, I'm, I know. That one's consistent. I know. It is. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what your number one is. It, it flips back and forth between Winter Soldier that. and Endgame. Just because the the I'm a huge Captain America fan, so mm-hmm. Winter Soldier obviously that won- makes sense. Yeah, but okay, Endgame- no, I definitely see that. Yeah, and then Shang Chi at number three. Oh mm-hmm. God, what an amazing movie! I know, <laughs> amazing. That's number one for me right now. Oh nice. Oh wow. But you know, circling back to this episode, <laughs> there's a moment that stood out to me where Maya is asking about the specifics of Ronan. And Clint tells her that Black Widow killed Ronan. So, what did you think about that, Ellie? I thought it was very interesting. And I would say, like, she did kind of kill Ronan in a sense. Because she went searching for Clint, found him, and essentially, you know, was bringing him back home allowing him to kind of refocus and realize there's a chance we can get everyone back and kind of showing him that, you know, the life that he's going down right now is not the path to go on because she's no stranger to going down, really going into like the assassin path. Mm -hmm. She's had that dark spot on her life within the MC before. She is probably one of the only individuals who can really understand kind of Clint and his mind and where he is in Endgame before he comes back to the Avengers compound. So I think, I I get it. I think she did kill him because after that point, Ronan was gone. He never went back to that life. He was able to refocus. So I, I think that statement was appropriate yeah it, it's one of those scenarios where you didn't lie but you didn't tell the truth and yeah. so i i'm i He's like physically dead He's just, like... <laughs> just spiritually yeah <laughs> but uh no I, I enjoyed it it was a great heads up play on clint because i mean he even admits it to to kate where he was like i almost had them disassociated the suit from you and then you popped in from the skylight so it, it's in line with him trying to throw the tracksuit mafia off Kate. And I like the clever use of him telling what happened to Ronan. And uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was an interesting scene and, and kudos on the creative team to both make it a heads up play and a pull at heartstrings at the same time. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't think I agree with you, Trey. Oh, like, like, like <laughs> I, like I, my, my note is black widow did kill Ronan. Like I, I don't think of it as like, 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 like the, the idea that there's a separation, um, like I, like, and I see what you're saying. I agree with Ellie in the sense of what you're saying of she brought Clint back, uh, from from how lost he he was, and I I think he really did feel that, like that. Yes, Ronan is dead. I'm able to leave that, you know, um. Because no, I mean, just as much as like trying to protect Kate, or maybe even himself and his darker side, 
you know, that shadow side, what he's capable of, but it's also like this, this unwanted resurrection, so to speak of, of this character that he, that he thought was behind him. Um, so that's why I say like, I, no, I think he, I think he really meant it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to process through it and I, I'm getting increasingly aware of how silent I'm being. But yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point of it's not something he wanted. Obviously, he wanted his character to stay dead. And so I do think he believes it. But I guess I'm coming from he's trying to run away from this, but this is something he still has to wrestle with. Like, mm-hmm. by the time the series is over, he has to come to, to terms with what he did as Ronan. And so it felt like a heads up play as a punt, but I know it's not something he's going to completely run away from, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, like, he really can't run away from it. Yeah, it's something that needs to be addressed before the series is done, because clearly it's still an issue. You know, there are people looking for Ronan. Hit the things that he was wearing, his weapons, were still around. So it's not something that he could just keep hidden and pretend like it never happened because the impact was still there. It's still in play. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I had a question that just came to mind, but I'm going to save it. Okay. Because I feel like I'd be jumping way ahead. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So right, I'm, well, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that out loud and I'm typing it down uh, <laughs> so I don't forget. Yeah, please don't forget because I'm really curious what this question is. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll pull a pin on that. So, you know, one thing I want to highlight about Clint here, because, I mean, this whole episode is about Kate and Clint, like, solidifying their camaraderie and how they work together. You know, we're still in the early stages of it, so there's some push and pull. But there's one thing that I absolutely loved here at the beginning is you see Kate is starting to get shook from everything that has happened. She's She kind of goes into that moment where she doesn't know what to do. And Clint is like antagonizer. It's like, hey, you take all that misplaced confidence and you channel it right now because this is about to get serious. And mm-hmm. I, it's, it shows that there's some tough love between them on how he gets her to get back into the fight mode. And I thought that was, that was an endearing way to handle that because there is some uh, back and forth ribbing between the characters. I am jumping ahead a little bit, but you see how she uh, texts Clint later on in the episode. with like, Hey, it's a good thing. They don't call you hockeyer. So there's some, <laughs> there's some teasing back and forth. And this is one of the first examples of it. I think from Clint to Kate. Yeah. I really love that moment between them. Because it, it kind of reminds me of almost like me with my friends. And if any of us have like any sort of like hesitations or are being like questioning doing something, it's like, hey, hey, remember when you were overly confident in this situation? Like channel that energy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. into this. So I, I really love that moment because we've seen Kate, like she is a very confident person, especially when she puts her mind towards something. And towards a goal, she gets it done. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's like I get it. You're there you're a little scared of in this moment, but it's like channel your energy a little bit because you know you're with Clint and you know you can get yourself out of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and he had an amazing amount of trust in her. 
to, you know, escape and say, get ready for my, um, my signal. Um, and you know, that trope is very typical, but, mm-hmm. but like for those characters, he, Clint had to have an amazing amount of trust that she was capable yeah. You know, because he wasn't really close to her when he shot the arrow. And so it wasn't like, hey, I'm here to save you. It's, I'm, you're overconfidence and let's go, you know, uh, which was really cool. And it, and it also reminded me of Age of Ultron and Wanda a little bit. Like, you're here and we're going to do this, you know. That is a really good callback, actually. I feel like with Clint, he almost like adopts people. And <laughs> 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 he's like, okay, like, Let's get into like dad mode. I have faith in mm-hmm. you. You've got this. Like you're stronger than you think. And he yeah. gets that bit of he like really brings in that support mm-hmm. to ensure that like they also know that they're very capable of their skill set. Yeah. So, you know, we're still in this section of the track and field. Uh, and I feel like one of the major thing we've got left is the amazing sequence of their escape all the way to their uh subway entrance um or train entrance i should say i want to start here you know it's very funny to me that so often clint is the butt of the joke because he's like oh he's just a guy with a bow and arrow but because of the grounded aspect of his weapon of choice and how much more down to earth it is to see somebody be stabbed with arrows or shot with an arrow it's much more horrifying i think than any of the other superpowers we've seen because it's like easy to get swept up in the fantastical side of it but watching Mm -hmm. somebody be shot with an arrow and launch backward is brutal and i was not prepared (laughs) to see that in action especially on disney plus oh my gosh and the thing with like clint's arrows are you you never know <laughs> what it's gonna, gonna be do. yeah that's the thing because it's not just a regular arrow it's not you, it could again like we see his wide array of arrows in during this sequence so it's like okay he shoots the arrow and it's like okay what's gonna happen is there gonna be an explosion like is it normal and i'm just gonna get kind of stabbed by it <laughs> or is putty gonna come out is it gonna be filled with acid you you never know Mm -hmm. and that's what makes it fun as well Mm -hmm. you know what i you're mentioning that because i in avengers he had like this little dial thing that would change the arrowhead if you remember like he would he would and it would kind of rotate and, and detach arrows and it's just really impressive that he just, to me, I mean, just, just if I'm going to immerse myself and this is real, like it's in a quiver and you like, remember which one, when you're grabbing that fast, mm-hmm. cause you grab right? the wrong one in the right situation. That's a problem. Oh goodness, right? <laughs> well, you know, while we're on the topic of these different arrows, or I should say Kate going through all these arrows, it's very reminiscent of Peter when he's going through the training protocol and learning what Mm -hmm. all his suit can do. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, and like we established it last week, we are really these last two episodes in a a row, we're seeing how comparable Kate Bishop and Peter Parker are. And, you know, they're both these kids who are trying to lace up shoes that are way too big for themselves, but they're doing it anyway. And it's kind of admirable, I think, to see them trying in these these high stakes mm-hmm. scenarios. Mm-hmm. The determination. 
Yeah. I have a lot of appreciation for it. Yeah, because, yeah. like, the question is not, is Kate skilled? Because we know she is. It's the wisdom that Clint's bringing because it's not enough that she can make the shot. You see where where Clint's like, hey, take these acid arrows, hit the traffic lights. And that's how they cause the destruction. So through action, we're seeing how Clint is, after being worn down, I guess, is finally teaching Kate how to be a better, you know, Hawkeye. And so I Mm -hmm. love how the action is communicating this in this scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I thought of him as like Black Widow and Yelena a little bit. Only only because like, well, you mentioned like the same thing with Spider-Man where she's like trying and, and not learning. It's just, it, it just, she was super capable, but it didn't have, uh, or, or Kate didn't have the flash that Hawkeye yeah. did. Like Hawkeye, Hawkeye's a poser. <laughs> let's, let's be honest he does that little sideways flip thing and and the and the i'm gonna throw the small jab right here proper use of slow-mo when you when he shoots that yeah. arrow and then he does the one where he like the, he knelt down and looked at the ground and shot behind him like you <laughs> had time to turn around and still make that shot so poser uh whereas like kate's like I'm just going to get the job done. And that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's what I found interesting about that. <laughs> you know, so one thing that I want to take away, because there's so much that could be said about this sequence, but the whole point of it is that we're seeing Kate and Clint work together. This is finally the moment where they're learning that they can be a compatible team. And so one of the things that I, I like that they've done specifically with Clint's broken earpiece is it's illustrating that struggle with the two of them in the communication and, and, and what it metaphorically stands for of the gap between them. So this could be, you know, sometimes the curtains are just blue talk, but if Clint is supposed to be the discipline for Kate and Kate is supposed to be the inspiration that Clint doesn't feel the fact that they can't hear each other while they're learning to finally work together is just beautiful. And it even becomes more beautiful to me when you start to see the ways that, you know, Kate is being more mindful of the fact that Clint can't hear because he's like, hey, how many are there? And she says four and immediately starts to hold up four fingers or they have that moment where they're like, oh, this would be easier if we were facing the other way. And so they're on the same page despite that gap between them. And I just thought that was a wonderful depiction of that team forming. I have to say, I really like that scene because we got that clip. They gave us that clip like beforehand and they were speaking to each other clearly, but then in the episode, we finally understood that our, you know, Clint didn't have his earpiece. Like mm-hmm. he couldn't actually hear her. So when she was speaking to him, we got those muted sounds, and it was like, oh my god! Like it just added so much more to the scene, and I was so happy that it wasn't the same one where they were very just clearly easily communicating with each other, like. What we got i think it was the week before mm-hmm. oh yeah that the disney plus day yeah we got that whole sequence that's when it was i was like i was trying to remember <laughs> when that was mm-hmm. yeah it was she was so proud she's like we're communicating like uh-huh you know right right there's like she it, it's like, no it, not really <laughs> but then but then in a way it was like like i said it was confirmed on the on the subway it's like we gotta walk the dog well you know you're right your world's one of the greatest greatest oh, that was so funny. <laughs> we should walk the dog that was so funny <laughs> <laughs> the way that she just looked at him during that scene, I was like, oh my goodness. 
Well, you know, this is coming to me now. Like, Clint has already established the overconfidence that Kate has, and it's been on display. She's a very capable and confident person. So there's something special about the way she gets that confirmation by Clint saying, like, oh, yeah, you are you are a really great archer, but he can't hear her. So it's like it doesn't get 100% confirmed, but she has that smile to herself of like, yeah, this was a good moment. And it was mm-hmm. it's a victory lap for everything that just happened, especially coming off of that scene where they used the teamwork for the pim arrow to finally get away. So mm-hmm. this whole... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to make the cut, but Ellie, you mentioned how you could do an entire episode on just this chase sequence. Um, I, I wholeheartedly agree. So many different action sequences come to mind like just across the movies that we've gone and i'm like you could ju- just devote an hour to breaking down the one scene mm-hmm. right because there's just so much to look at because you know usually you you have your protagonist you have your antagonist so it's like you can speak on what each of them individually are doing then you can talk about what's going on in the background you can talk about what they're utilizing in the scene like there's just so many layers to it mm-hmm. it's difficult to just do an overview like an overview yeah 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 well it's Trey. it was interesting one of the things you were saying honestly my first point uh, i'm getting a little ahead here onto the hero life part of the outline with all that communication and the the confidence building up between the two of them it's interesting because like kate's being successful here right and she's experiencing that success and it's actually I, and again, I'm getting a little ahead to this the, to this point C on the outline, but she's experiencing this in like in her head. This is what it was, right? This is what you do as a superhero. You go in this, and you work together as a team, and you get out, and you communicate, and you're successful. And it's it's weird because it's like reaffirming what she imagines when when Clint knows like this isn't really what it is. Well, you know what I. I- you bring up a great point. Let's go ahead and move into the next most important topic so that we can go ahead and get into that fully. And like you said, this is the hero life. Uh, this section is going to be for us to discuss uh, that diner scene where Clint is trying to impart the wisdom of what it means to sacrifice to do the good thing, uh, as well as that very emotionally hard scene where Kate has to interpret uh, Clint's son for Clint since he cannot hear him. So, I want to because you you bring up a good point of Kate is having all her wrong ideas of what this life is affirmed by the previous action sequence. I want to make note that there is a moment where it does seem like, okay, maybe the seed of her learning is starting to take place. And that is, again, the scene where she has to interpret for Clint's son. Um You know, there's so much talk about Kate being spoiled rotten, which Clint says so himself to the tracksuit mafia whenever one was complaining about her talking too much. And, you know, we've seen other instances of it where, you know, we know she comes from privilege. I don't know if it's pure malintent. I think there is carelessness on her part, and that's why she keeps finding this herself in situations where she's putting people like Clint out. But we get to see her wrestle with her consequences on the look on her face as she's seeing Hawkeye have to deal with not being able to hear his son. And I thought Haley Steinfeld did a really good job of conveying that without actually saying anything outside of writing on the notepad. Um, So, you know, we're three episodes in. 
I'm sure her hero's journey is going to be that humility that comes with the hero life. Um, And I think this is an important scene to remember as we move forward. And hopefully that lesson is learned. I agree. Well, because I mean, that's such a big thing when we get a young hero too. There's so much learning Mm -hmm. that goes into it. And especially when you take someone like Kate or even looking at like Peter Parker with within the MCU, they both have these significant characters and these significant individuals in their life that they admire so much and they look up to. And, but they themselves, you know, they've lived, they're trying to live that hero life. They're trying to hone in on the skills that they've been, they are so fortunate to have and trying to figure out what to do with it. But it all comes to the understanding of like what being a hero actually means. Mm-hmm. So I love that when there's that focus on that learning aspect and also them just seeing what their mentor like goes through and what their life is like, because mm-hmm. there's also that kind of reminder that, you know, they don't live that different of a life. Like they still live, you know, they have family, they have a normal day to day. They wake up, you know, make some coffee, have some breakfast, whatever. But they also just happen to be superheroes on the side. Mm -hmm. So I love where you get that bit of like normalcy and you get that deeper look into what their life is. Yeah. And I just I just want to remind everybody that you've seen Winter Soldier over and over and you know that superheroes do have breakfast. Yes. Uh, (laughs) They are into that sort of thing. They drink their orange juice. They have their toast. (laughs) Put coffee grounds in the garbage disposal. They do all of it. (laughs) Well, you know, too, because you, you, we went into this most important topic because you were talking about the maybe wrongful affirmation of Kate's idea. You know, I, I think this dinner conversation is the perfect follow up for that chase sequence, because, again, we now know that Kate is up to the challenge. We know Clint respects her. But does Kate respect the responsibility? And based on the way Clint gives that heartfelt delivery of the things you lose following this life and Kate's answer being like, well, yeah, you get cool trick arrows and costumes. Mm-hmm. We know she's not ready. So mm-hmm. it's, I don't know. Well, what, what, what did you think about that conversation? Well, as you say, my note here on that conversation was like, you see Clint put his head down and I, and I did this specifically, wrote it this way specifically. You, Clint puts his head down because she isn't hearing him. And like there, and we've talked so much about this, this use of sound through these characters to, to immerse us in these experiences. And it's like, you have, don't have the struggle of hearing is Maya or Clint, but you're, you're not hearing, you're not listening. You're, there was some debate as is 22 and 18 really the same or not. Cause I was, I just, it, I, I paused for a second. Cause I was going to say you're 22 and, and, and it was going to sound so bad of like, I'm talking down about 22 year olds. And I do, you know, I did fall on the side of the, the 22 and 18 do the same thing. And when I asked my wife, Amity and she's like, well, it depends. What's, what was their life experiences and all this other stuff. I'm just, it was a yes or no question. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so we're not trying to get that deep. Okay. Yeah, but, but, it, but, it, but it is like, like that was kind of that, this, this conversation of like, you're, you're not hearing, you're not, you're not listening, you know, you know? So, so again, that use of sound comes up, which I, which for me, that's what I took out of that, which I really liked. I think it, what it kind of reminded me of, was in Homecoming when Tony has a conversation with Peter and, you know, he says, like, if you're 
like if you're nothing without the suit then you don't deserve it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like that reminder and that push it's like you have to be more than the technology you have to be more than the suit you have to hone in on what being a hero actually means because being a hero you have to make a lot of like selfless choices yeah there it's a very very deep so it's like she needs to get to that point where she herself realizes what being a hero means for herself yeah well and i'm glad you brought that up and because in homecoming right spider-man lost the suit and had to do it without the stark tech his own suit himself and and my question on on my notes here was what will kate have to lose to take this life like she has it on this pedestal what is she gonna have to lose to take this life off the pedestal and 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 kind of realize what she's really asking for um because you know like the the storytelling in the show she's gonna have to lose something to knock to knock this this romanticized hero life view down Mm -hmm. and from what we have i'm like okay what does she lose like it's 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 tough to tell because we we haven't had seen her with enough of a relationship yet with somebody that it's like you know like it's not going to be an uncle ben figure i I mean well the only uncle ben figure right now she has right now is hawkeye yeah so like Uh do we believe hawkeye's not gonna make Uh uh-oh not gonna make it out of this (laughs) like like i don't know like like is disney plus and marvel willing to kill off hawkeye how dare you oh my goodness <laughs> i was thinking about this earlier she has to lose something right to get I, to, you're to not knock wrong this off the pedestal. i'm just mad <laughs> <laughs> you know her dad's already i'm assuming her dad's already dead i don't think they're gonna with three episodes left pull I him don't back know. there was no body so there was no body the classic rule exactly yeah. <laughs> you know she doesn't exactly get along with her mom unless she like I don't know. Like, so yeah, so I'm, I'm really curious of what they're going to do with that. Cause they, cause that's what they've set up. Like he clearly in the dialogue, there's sacrifices. You lose things forever. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Well, you know, there's one more thing that I wanted to zone in on in this scene. And, you know, we have a pretty pivotal moment where Clint says, I am not a role model. And so I think this is important because for a brief moment, it really does seem like he's warming up to this idea of taking Kate under his wing because he, I mean, I don't think you give that heartfelt speech about giving something up unless you're really, truly trying to teach her how to do this. And it's not until she reminds him about Ronan and she wrongly says like, oh, you're covering for him when the truth is he is him. But I think that was hitting close enough to home that he starts to realize like, no, I can't be this person. I'm not a role model. And it it reminds me of Endgame where you can see how much he truly has lost because look at where he starts in Endgame. He's with his family. They're at that picnic and he's teaching his daughter how to shoot the bow and arrow and specifically calls her, hey, Hawkeye. So the idea of passing on that legacy is something he's definitely thought about, but because of what happened in Endgame and what he did as Ronan, he has completely lost that side of it. So to even get the glimpse of him maybe wanting to do that here with Kate and take her under his wing, I think is showing a lot with very little about where he's at in regards to his psyche. So I'd like that moment a lot. 
I I want to say that his wife divorces him if he tries to hand down the mantle to his own kid. <laughs> uh, like, like I'm imagining what's it, honey, you know, I'm not going to be home and neither is our daughter because she's out shooting bow and arrows and bad, bad guys. Um, I mean, I wouldn't blame her. I mean, she's seen what Clint has yeah. gone through and what he's faced. Yeah. Over the years. So I'd be like, I mean, I would be like, yeah, no. Yeah. So <laughs> no, she's not going anywhere near that. Yeah. Now, to get back to your, your point, like, I think that going back to Age of Ultron, they've kind of set that up, right? Like, it, it, go back. Let's just, if you track Clint through Age of Ultron, we find out he has the family life. Yeah. And this is truly like his job. He's good at his job. He believes in it. But then he goes home to his family. You don't really see that with the others. Even in Age of Ultron, like he's talking about, or not, and, and later in that, later on, he's like, I'm thinking about tearing down this wall to like, and, and build this craft room and, and stuff like that. And then, and then we see in beginning of Endgame, that's taken away from him. Yeah. And in here, he's on this New York trip to try to gain that to reestablish this closeness and this relationship with his kids, just him and the kids. So I do think you're right, Dre, that like he has a sense of passing on the legacy, mm-hmm. but there's such a strong connection, you know, going all the way back to the opening scene of 2012 with Kate and mom and dad of, of family that, that I think that's what he's looking to pass on. Right. Like, like I think you're right. He, he's wanting to pass this on. Cause he's, it's like, I mean, all of us to some degree want to retire, right? Like we we don't want to do this forever. Uh, when I say this, I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm just talking. I was gonna say, um, hey, that was private conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, but like you know, I mean, you want to reach this point where you know as you get older and you think about it, and it's like, do I really want to do what I'm doing forever? You know, do I want to travel? Do I want to do all these other things? So yeah, I think you're right. Like he is, and and there's that element of like that darker side of Ronan, he has lived the path that life can take you when it goes bad. And in, and with that in mind, it's like, there's also an element of like, I can't be a role model because I don't want somebody following this. And to what extent can I, in good conscience, pass that on to Kate or somebody? You know, because that's, a, again, something that you, you have to live with. Yeah. And kind of, like thinking about like the whole like role model situation and you know taking into his like the dark moment where he was Ronan it make because honestly throughout the episode I was thinking about the moment where he shares that with Kate and my like wondering like what her perception of him would be like how she would feel like knowing the person that like she looked up to for so many years ever since 2012 was Ronan and during the blip essentially went on a bit of a murder spree. Like I'm very curious Mm -hmm. how she's going to process that and how, if how, and if her view of Clint would change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I thought we got so close to it. This episode when she started accusing it, like it was so, smooth the way she transitioned from like hey here's a cool costume idea to oh what if you wore all black like she did that on a dime and i thought she was about to put two and two together but she came so close without actually doing it was was that intentional 
the accusation? Well, well yeah, because okay, because so there's there's two ways you can look at it, right? There's there's efficient storytelling, and I'm going to use the costume to kind of placate fans and kind of nod to the fans, uh, like they're doing the Disney Plus series of showing the ridiculousness of yeah, we can't do this, right? Um, and we've seen it in Wandavision, you know, and and stuff of the actual comic book accurate. Except with Cap Sam Wilson. That was comic book accurate and fantastic. Yeah. But like, so, so you have that moment, but there was a weird, like even the camera, it goes from, from away from the shot, reverse shot over the shoulder to like straight on when she asks. And so, so it's clearly wanted a change in feeling of like tension when she asks this and, and Barton's response. But it was like up to that point, I had a hard time. Like, did she really like what, what clues did she have to put that together? Or was that just, we only have six episodes and this is how we, we make this moment happen. Like, like that, that did run through my mind when that happened. Mm-hmm. Cause it, cause like, otherwise it's like, it's very specific of you to be like, go from purple to all black in a mask, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it could be what we talked about, like. As dead set as as Clint is on finding this Ronin suit, maybe it's just something she finally drew the lines together with. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I hope they give it to us, though. Like, I hope... Yeah. That... Because I feel like it is really crucial for Kate to know this information. Mm-hmm. And as well for Clint to just share it. And then it also brings in the question if, like, the entire world is going to find out about this. Because, you know, we touched on it earlier about, like, how the people may view Clint if they learned that he's Ronin. And it makes me wonder, like, do you think it's going to be some extremely public situation? Like, Peter's identity being exposed at the end of Far From Home. Like, is it going to be something that's highly, like, publicized? Or is it something that, like, people learn and then it goes through maybe, like, the rumor mill and then gradually more and people more people mm-hmm. learn about it like it's there's a lot of questions on how they're going to handle this aspect of his storyline yeah yeah well i think that's going to wrap it up for this section which is going to bring us to uh our last one which is a bit of a brief one uh it's a bit of a shorter episode so it wasn't too much towards the end here but this most important topic is breaking and entering and this is going to deal with kate and clint essentially getting into kate's mom's apartment and going through her computer to find out more information about kazi and unfortunately they are caught by jack himself so ellie do you have any specific place you'd like to start with in this section I just knew they were going to get caught. <laughs> I was like, this is too easy. Yes. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's so convenient that absolutely nobody's home and you're going to be able to walk on over to the computer and look up what you need to look for and then you're going to be fine. I was like, no, 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 no. Someone, they're going to get caught off guard. Someone's going to be there waiting for them. Yeah, especially for... I say, especially for a very fancy home of someone who owns a security business. <laughs> oh my God, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've been on this, 
I think Jack is a red herring train since the first two episode drops. So I got to say, I'm feeling pretty vindicated to have Kate like clearly spell out all her evidence and it just falls completely flat on Clint. And we're just like, okay, well, that's, you know, it's not exactly a crime. And it was just, it was very satisfying to see that all play out. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and to add, because again, I'm on the... I'm not on the Jack train, but I am on the Eleanor, maybe not being who she says she is. It was very interesting that Clint was like, how did Armand die? And Kate says like, oh yeah, he was stabbed to death with a sword. And Clint looks at all the swords that Eleanor has hanging on the wall. So I think he's starting to suspect something a little bit different than what Kate is putting forth. (laughs) I think there's something really definitely off with her mom. Yeah. I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting some kind of villain vibes. It's just a, maybe it's just a feeling. Maybe it's just the haircut. I don't know. But something is a little off about Eleanor. And I'm wondering if, you know, she also is has got a bit of a secret side of her life that she has, for obvious reasons, not revealed to Kate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think you're you're dead on on that because it's just the the conversation in the 2012 flashback was just too spot on of of like her concerns of money and are we gonna have to sell the penthouse you know and showing this you know and then she had the the thing later of like I've not always been rich so clearly there's a drive to hold on to this. Um, so yeah, so like I I'm with you. I'm just I'm that I feel like next week's episode is going to be huge because it's I think so too because a so lot of the stuff is going to drop in this next one. I with I think it'd be so funny. You know what? I'm going with the assumption that we are getting Kingpin. I'm just gonna go with that <laughs> kind of logic right now. It's I official. Think it'd be so it's official, guys. Everyone listening. <laughs> um, I think it would be really funny if somehow like she was also working with Wilson Fisk. I think that would be very, very interesting. I'm like, maybe this is just like seriously reach reaching, but with like the tracksuit mafia and how their suits are red in episode, was it episode two? We see Eleanor wearing a red dress. Oh. <laughs> This is why this is why I'm like this might be reaching a little bit. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we whenever we talk about theories, we specifically say we're holding on to grains of sand. You are in the right place whenever yes. it comes to just yes. throwing out theories. Yes, and and but, and in color connections like that, we also you know we're typically say like we realize sometimes the curtains are just blue and have no meaning, but yeah. we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it fun. So, yeah. But no, I, I, like I think that. that's a, a good observation. I just thought of that right now. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I didn't even have this thought yesterday. It just, it literally just came to me. <laughs> you know what? That's, that happens so many of my, uh, of my thoughts on these episodes of just like, oh, okay, cool. Let me type this down. I just realized this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's the fun of podcasting. Honestly. So I have, I, I, we put a pin in this and I was waiting for this, this section. Ooh, here we go. At the I'm end, excited. at the end of the the whole scene, Ronan's faced with the Ronan sword. Yeah. If Jack becomes Ronan or is framed for Ronan, would we see that as a satisfying resolution for Hawkeye? No. No. Really? No. He would be getting away with it. Exactly. 
Clint it, has it, it, to, doesn't it doesn't it feel like that's kind of where it's going? Like he has the Rodin sword. It he seems he that feels way. like you know. I, I guess I'm going completely against the red herring idea, but at this point, it's kind of hard to hold that one on. Like you just have the Ronin sword of all the swords to Ronin's throat. I'm gonna do you one better. Why is Ronin? No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that coming. <laughs> it didn't come to me to the last second. Uh, I. I I think you're onto something. I think there will be a path where they can frame Ronan. I'm sorry, where they can frame Jack as Ronan, but the character moment is Clint is going to own up to it publicly. And that is how mm-hmm. he's going to be like, no, I can't do this. This was me. Whatever comes next, I'm atoning for the sins of Ronan. So I think mm-hmm. you could be onto something there, but that will be the character choice that Clint makes if this is the route they go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has I, to I, own up to it. Yeah. Yeah. He has to. Yeah. Now, I don't disagree with that. I just, I'm watching that. I'm like, they're, they're writing themselves an out of, of how do you clear Kate's name? How do you clear Clint's name uh, at the same time? Uh, but I, I do agree with you on the, like, it's not, uh, or wouldn't be a satisfying resolution. Mm-hmm. You know, unless, unless they save that for season two. <laughs> we'll say it's season two we're gonna get one we'll, we'll manifest either that it. or a movie oh yeah good call kind of like how with um, Falcon the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. no season two but we're getting another Captain America movie oh, yeah. I can't wait for that but I'd also so I would love to see Haley Steinfeld's Hawkeye on the big screen it has it to be, be coming amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, no it's going to they've already been setting up for um, Young Avengers mm-hmm. yeah. we saw that whole you guys see that interview where she got asked the question and she looked at Kevin and Kevin was just like, don't you say a word. <laughs> yeah, Kevin's Kevin snipey, snipey eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know what? Unless there's any more, I think we can move on to Stray Thoughts. Sure. Cool. That sounds good to me. So this is the section for us to just share any stray thoughts we may have had that did not quite fit into the most important topics. Uh, so, Ellie, is there any stray thoughts you have for this episode? If anything happens to Pizza Dog, <laughs> I'm never watching this show again. <laughs> um, I, well, you I know, think a lot of people agree with you on that. <laughs> I'm in love with this dog. I'm, if anything happens to him, I'm done. I'm just going to fall on this sword. Jude, you did ask, what does Kate have to lose? <gasps> no, don't, don't <laughs> say it. Don't manifest <laughs> it. I was thinking it earlier when you guys were talking about oh, it. You're like, oh, like, you know, her relationship with her mom. There's her relationship with Clint. And in the back of my mind, I was like, there's a very adorable golden retriever that could probably have a significant impact on her life. And then I was like, do not say it out loud. Uh, <laughs> like I said, manifest it. I'll follow on that sword. You can send all your your Twitter hate to me. <laughs> oh, trust me. I will. I'll be like, I'm like, okay, what day is it? Uh, December 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. What a day. <sighs> Man. Uh, what about you, Jude? You got any stray thoughts for this episode? Uh, yeah. A couple of stray thoughts. Uh, let's see. Scroll through my notes real quick. 
How deep was that ball pit that he was crawling around in? Um, I don't <laughs> oh, think I've ever goodness. seen a ball pit that deep before. Uh, I thought another, fan, throughout the whole episode, but another fantastic use of Christmas music. Oh, the Tchaikovsky, yes. yes. Oh, it yes. was so good. Yes, right from the Nutcracker, fantastic. Oh, I, um, love, Matt, I love the Nutcracker um, suite. I, oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. I started crying during the first watch when the phone call that really got to me. Oh, um, me too. And the last two I found interesting says where she said the line, this is the day I become who I'm supposed to be. And Clint uh, said he remembers that day. It did wonder in the back of my mind with a, with a strong push of family. If when he said that, if he was talking about being like an Avenger or shield agent or more likely, I think he was talking about being a husband and a father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, I thought the whole branding thing with the costume as like, and I'm just going to read it because I feel like I'm being really ageist right in this episode uh, with me. It was like, it so fits this day of social media that the 22 year old has an awareness of personal branding to that degree, (laughs) you know, cause like at 22, I would not have thought of like, Oh, your personal brand and, and and stuff like that. But again, for me, that was 20 years ago. So, (laughs) so it was a different time when, in terms of personal brand. So those are my straight thoughts. (laughs) You know, I, I got a couple straight thoughts and uh, I'll go through them pretty quickly. There is a scene in the beginning where they're fighting, uh, specifically Clint and Maya, and we get a shot of Kate's perspective as we see Clint and Maya fighting in the office and you only see from through the window their shadows. Mm-hmm. Underneath that, there is a sign that says nothing held back. Again, curtains are just blue, but Maya's fighting style reminds me of Natasha's a lot. And so having that nothing Mm -hmm. held back feels like a callback to Civil War where Wanda says, you're pulling your punches to Clint. So nice, nice. If he's thinking of Natasha a lot in this series, to be faced against somebody who is not holding their punches feels like an emotional gut punch for the audience. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. And finally, my other stray thought, you know, it's again, another curtain is blue thing, but so often we talk about the the story circle and how the last part of it is having returned to a familiar place, having changed. Uh, it's very fitting that this episode starts with Clint and Kate captured and at odds and ends with them captured again, but as more of a cohesive team. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's a nice. I, that's a good. That's a good framing device. Yeah. Yeah. So again, this episode is 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 perfect. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Strong. It's it's one of my favorites. No, 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 no. Don't back off of that. Because it, it was that moment that, that I forgot to say in, in the straight thought. You know, Kate getting to do the same move she saw in 2012 yeah. was a great moment. It was a great moment. <laughs> yeah. And, and and getting to see that and get to participate in that. Like, yeah. I, don't back off for perfect. It's okay. I'll, okay. I'll say it's perfect. Caveat being, I know there's probably recency bias. But man, I love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's really, really good. Oh, Own it, man. Trey. Own it. Own it. Honestly, when I think about it, I'm like, okay, I only remember the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode three, honestly. But like that was, I loved episode three for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was like such a moment for that show. Yeah. And also just like a strong episode overall. Mm-hmm. I might have some bias in it. I don't know. But it kind of reminded me of that. And then it kind of like pushed me to think about WandaVision and like Loki as well, like thinking about their episode three or, you know, their almost like middle episode. Cause I feel like in a show like this, 
you always get that like really big strong episode or that really strong moment in the middle of it all mm-hmm. yeah you get that build up you get you, you know like you hit that peak and then you get the aftermath of it yeah cool i uh i think that's gonna do it for our stray thought so that's going to leave us with our listeners' first takes. Uh, we're going to read through some of the responses we got on social media and how people felt about on this episode, uh, starting with this one. Uh, this one comes in from Ben.Maddie on Insta, and it says, My favorite episode of any MCU TV show so far. Can I have a Pym Arrow? <laughs> Pym Arrow. Oh, my God. Honestly, same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What a, and I, I mean this in the literal sense, what a huge moment for the show. Yes. <laughs> I almost paused it because I was like, oh my God, am I seeing this right? Agree with both of your first reactions. And to add, this is the best Clint has ever been, both in terms of action and emotion. TK on Instagram. I agree. Tightly paced and written. This episode has everything done well. Action, emotion, character from friend Daniel. You know what, friend Daniel? We're right there with you. And, and I don't, Ellie, I don't know if you know, friend Daniel is someone I've known um, for a few years now, I used to work with. And so friend Daniel and Trey and I chat, and he's been a guest a couple of times. And we call him the universal friend because he's also been on TK's podcast. <laughs> um, wonderful. Yes. So... Um, so it's fun to have his interaction and I agree. Like, I think all three of us agree with his assessment of this, this action, oh, emotion, and character. Yeah. Doubt. And again, the, the pacing was so, cause there was a moment there at the end of the, um, action scene where I kind of had a letdown. Cause like, I was like, okay, it's ending. But then it was like, oh no, there's more like, like this, it was yeah. well paced. Yeah, it, it's definitely a common theme throughout these first takes, and uh, it continues here. Uh, this one comes in from Captioned Life on Insta, and it says, best episode yet of any Marvel show. And again, like we said, I think we're all in agreement. And um, shout out to Captioned Life, by the way. They, we've been recently interacting with them on Twitter. Uh, yeah, and- me yeah, too. We've yeah. been on each other's podcasts. I love them. Yeah, That's they're awesome. so awesome. We just, we just got recommended their first and second episode of Hawkeye, and we both thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm, I'm so glad that, again, like I said, the, uh, the pod friend list is growing. Yes. I love the pod friend list. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Yes. <laughs> uh See, and don't back off any Marvel show. Uh, (laughs) Fantastic episode for me. Best fight choreography and sequence among the Disney Plus shows. A very tight and well-balanced episode. It hit the mark, and I'm looking forward to the rest. Also, Pizza Dog with one eye is actually just winking at us this whole time. Hashtag Pizza Dog from Ken on Twitter. (laughs) You know what? I agree. Because he totally looks like he's winking. It does. It's really cute. It's my favorite thing about him. That's why I wanted um, the the Funko Pop that came yeah! out. Yeah! Because it's really cute. I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't see the Funko Pop. I put oh, it in the Discord. It's oh, so I must have missed it. I must have missed it. Okay, well, now this is your homework. <laughs> right. to, so go find it. Go, go get it. on the Discord and see it. Oh, man. Um. This was my favorite episode of the three so far. Tracksuit Mafia proved a bit more of a threat. The new villain shows to be a strong foil to Hawkeye. And the tease. This brings me great joy. Also, as a father, that call with Clint and Nathaniel hit me hard. From just Mr. Melt from Twitter. Yeah. 
I again, I agree, especially the capital T's that we got. <laughs> <laughs> so good. T's. It's official. It it's, is. It's We're Fisk. saying it is. <laughs> it's Fisk. Uh, <laughs> you know, and again, I cried. I'm with you, Mel. It's a very emotional moment. Yeah. It really was. Uh, finally, we've got one more. Uh, no, we got this- three more. Do we have three? Oh, I'm not looking at the right thing. Yeah, you got to scroll. Yep, there's three more. You got to scroll. <laughs> the, remember when I said Jude was doing my work for me earlier? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, down. you know what? Then I'll read this one and then we'll continue on. Uh, this one says, I love this episode and I really appreciate the representation. The person who plays Maya is actually an amputee and deaf. It feels like Hollywood has always been content just to dress any actor up in that, but I appreciate that they actually got someone from that community. Plus, she's Native American, which I feel like we don't see enough of. And then there were some shots that I just absolutely loved as well, like when they were in the car and the camera's turning around without cutting. Perfection in my eyes. And this comes in from Paul via text. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm glad Paul brought up the, the 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 shot in the car because there were so many wonderful things that that action sequence was doing. Like we said, there was so much to get to. It, it was hard to get it all, but I'm glad he pointed that out for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a second text as well because it's my cousin who texted me, um, and he was also happy to see as a left-handed um, person, was Paul. He was like, "Anytime I get left-handed representation, I'm all for it." <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging the show. Episode three was fun. Can't wait to hear your takes. Skullface Project on Instagram. Okay, I have a question for you, Ellie, real quick. Skullface, <laughs> we get there. Is it Instagram or Insta? What do you say? Or as you say, IG. Um, I feel like I usually say Insta. Okay, so I see, feel like I usually say Insta just because it's faster. But you know, d- I started asking okay, people at work and kids that I work with. Like I like like I want to know. It depends on your audience. Who are you talking to? Okay, that's the kind of key indicator. All right. Skullface Project, thank you for the interaction because you also messaged us um, and it was fun to talk to you through that. Uh, and I and hopefully you enjoyed this episode and I agree with you. It was just such a fun episode. I think we can all agree on that front. Ooh, last one. All right. I'm really enjoying the series. I'm grateful that Marvel is releasing these shows, but I can't wait to see this unfold on the big screen. Newtype.nova from Insta. Yeah, what? I have to agree. I'm excited to see it on the big screen. Yeah, I was about to say, what a fitting one for you to end on because you just mentioned how you were manifesting Kate being on the big screen. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think we're also it's in agreement gonna here. <laughs> it's gonna. It's always fun to. I mean, because like, I mean, the shows are absolutely wonderful. The way that they've been done for the small screen. Oh, yeah. beautifully done. Yeah, but to be able to, because I mean, the real true like moment is seeing them on the big screen mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'm excited for that most definitely well cool uh thank you everybody for chiming in with your first takes on episode three of hawkeye we really appreciate it and if you're listening and you want to get in on that as well you can always search for our pre-spoiler thoughts that we put up on the day of the episode's release if not the day after uh if you reply to those we will read your first take on the pod um we're wrapping up here. We've got predictions for episode four left. So, Ellie, do you have any predictions for next week's episode? I don't know if it's... Mm, hmm. <laughs> is, this an ep- is, is this a theory or is this a want? 
That's that's the real question. I have been waiting since episode one for my girl Yelena to finally make her appearance in this show. I have been waiting. I I, I need I need Florence Pugh. Yeah. I need her to take some shots at Clint. And based off what I feel like episode four is going to be, I think maybe at the end of the episode we'll see her face. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, that's I'm going prediction. to echo that. look trace the pun person so anytime i can get it but yeah though i we don't have my camera turned on but if we did you would have seen my hand shot up in the air because i'm with you that's like i can't wait to see elena again what i'm most excited about is seeing the is hopefully at some point in an extended fashion elena and kate bishop interaction yeah, because I just think those two characters would be so well together. So it's like, I, I please get that. That's that's my that's my hope slash prediction for next week's episode. Well, you know what? Speaking of, if we had cameras on, Jude, whenever you were talking about is Jack going to be framed for Ronan, you could not see the biggest smile on my face <laughs> because here in my predictions for episode four, I put next week we're going to see Jack is not the villain we think he is, but. He's not going to make life any easier for Kate and Clint. I think maybe Jack is in a little trouble of his own that he's going to use Kate and Clint as scapegoats. So if I'm Ooh. if I'm using your logic about him being framed, it feels like this would be a great narrative like drama to see that he's trying to use them as scapegoats and they have the perfect opportunity to do that to him and choose not to instead. So mm-hmm. that's going to be my prediction for episode four. Okay, that's good. That's, that's good. a good one. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Ellie, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on what may have been the longest episode we've ever done with a first-time guest. And I, I, you fit in perfectly. Thank yeah, you for joining us. so much us. fun. <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah. I was so excited when you messaged me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, because we, we were just talking about this. We haven't really had a new guest since before Loki. So we were, there's some first time jitters we had going into this, but it, it worked out really well. And I, I could not be thankful enough. Yeah. It was so much fun. Thank you for saying yes. Uh, I mean, how could I not? I'm, I got super excited talking about Marvel and I'm like, I will take any opportunity to talk about it with <laughs> anyone. <laughs> Well, if, if you listening are interested in any of those opportunities, you should definitely be following Ellie on O at Oshoot Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, as well as downloading and subscribing to their show, Oshoot Podcast, available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Now, as far as this show, if you enjoyed this one, you can always reach us at MC You Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's a great place to uh, get in touch with us, share your first takes, as well as get some extra clips that don't make it into the final cut of the episode. So if that's interesting to you, make sure you're following us and uh, thanks. And of course, scroll down to the bottom. You can find a link to our Discord where you find a wonderful community to talk about everything. I just the other day posted my 2020 two book list challenge of a to read a different book a month for 2022 and hopefully have this community keep me accountable. Um, but also if you're here, you love Marvel, same as the people in the Discord. So make sure you go check on the roll assign. Click on the eye emojis to get you access to all the spoiler channels for this content you came for. And of course, don't be a Thanos. Expand the MCU need to know universe by sharing with a friend. Yeah. 
We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. Jude and Ellie, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Yes, thank you. We'll, We'll see you all next week. I think that would be very, very interesting. I'm like, maybe this is just like seriously reach reaching, but with like the tracksuit mafia and how their suits are red. Okay, um, so uh, uh, yeah, no, I think I, we may have lost Ellie. Yeah, I don't uh, hear Ellie anymore. It's just connecting. All right. Well, uh, we'd like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. Sure to share with a friend. (laughs) What's going to suck is if Ellie can hear us and she just hears us laughing and cutting up. Uh, Sorry, I was trying to make the Kevin Feige nose joke and I called him Kevin Snipey. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. That, you know what? That's actually so funny as I'm going working through a theory. It cuts out. He's like, he he knows. He knows. <laughs> he knows. Oh man. So, okay, so what was the last thing I said? <laughs>